Well, well, well. Well, we are in week two of our series called Unpopular Opinion as we just kind of discuss relationships together. But before we jump into that, I just want to say a quick welcome to those who are watching online. Thanks for checking us out, tuning in, whether you're home not feeling well or whether you're out of town or maybe you're even in a sunny place, you know, escaping the not-so-winter winter that we're experiencing, kind of random winter here. But we thank God for you. We pray for you. We believe that the presence of God will meet you where you're at and uh, we hope that you know that God loves you where you are. And we want to invite you, if you live in the Concordant area, to kind of join us on a Sunday. I promise you, it may be good from your perspective, but it is better in the room. And we are committed to making room for you. And so we would love to invite you to our church. One thing I want to remind all of us is I'm a huge fan, if you don't know this already, I'm a huge fan of the YouVersion Bible app. And uh, one of the benefits of YouVersion is they kind of create this YouVersion for churches where we get to have a profile within the app. And if you're called Harbor Home, if this is your home church, you can go and discover the harbor. You can go in and say, discover the Harbor Church and kind of make my home church, which allows us to be able to kind of share devotionals with you or share thoughts with you or, and just to, to encourage you along the way. They're developing this out more and more for churches as a resource and uh, to go back into the Bible, to use the Bible as a source. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't downloaded the new version of Bible app, to do so. Create an account for free. Find our church. Jump into plans. And it is fantastic. We are going to get ready to do a group plan soon as we prepare for Easter. So we want you to be part of that. Uh, also, too, if you follow notes, if you're a note taker, you can go to the events page of our notes and you can find our notes for today and you can save those. Don't forget to save them at the end and you can go back to them later uh, throughout the week or whenever you want to refer back to it. But anyway, we're back in this series called Unpopular Opinion and here's kind of the thought we know. We know that popular opinion doesn't always equal truth, but we can't deny the impact it has on our relationships, Right? We, we can't deny the impact. We can't deny that from the movies we watch or the music we listen to, from the, the loudest voices around us to the advertising we're exposed to, it, all of this is a, creates a window or how we see the world, and it affects how we view our relationships. And here's the reality. Well, while society shifts, right, the Word of God remains the same. The Word of God stands strong and stands true. And what we're experiencing, maybe I'm the only one experiencing this, but I'm experiencing, or I'm feeling, I'm sensing that the, that the unpopular opinion, God's way, is quickly becoming rather the unpopular opinion in the world we live in. And so the question is, how do we respond to that? What do we do with that? Do we just go with the flow? Or is there something we need to stand up for? Last week, we drove into week one, we were talking about this, the unconditional love, right? If you were with us last week, you were you can go online and miss that. But we just talked about this agape love, this, this unconditional love that God has for us. It's the kind of love that we are called to pursue, to live out with those around us. And this agape love is an intentional and unconditional uh, a love that expresses, uh, expression rather that chooses to do something or caring or helpful regardless of the cost or the consequences to oneself. Like, I'm going to love you no matter what that does to me. It's God's love for us. Agape love, or God's kind of love, is, is giving a person what they need, not what they deserve. And how many people here today are thankful that God gave us what we need and doesn't give us what we deserve? Come on now, right? We can't forget that. We are first receivers of this unconditional love, right? We have to first receive it before we can give it away. So today what I want to do is I kind of want to kind of talk about that love, this unconditional love, this, this agape love, and how it impacts our closest relationships. And, and, and really specifically today, I want to talk about our relationships with 
our spouses. And I know we are getting into the Valentine's weekend. Happy Valentine's to all you lovebirds out there. Husbands, this is your three-day warning or two-day warning. If you haven't stepped up the game, you still got about 48 hours to show up, you know. And so this is your moment, right, to go to Shoppers Drug Mart, get yourself a card. It's all good. Don't forget. Don't miss the moment. I've learned in my house, if it's not there but when she wakes up, you're late. That's how it works in my house. I don't know how that works in your house. I tried one day to bring it home with me from work. Nope, that I forgot. In her mind, I forgot. I did forget, but that sh- it was still in the same day, right? So I've learned now. It's got to be, like, it's on the nightstand, so as soon as she opens her eyes, the card is there. Then I've won, right? I can give her a dozen flowers. I can send her to Mexico, but if I don't give her a card, I missed. It's weird, right? So I just settled with the card. We're not going to Mexico. <laughs> so I hate to break it to you. All right. Anyway, we, uh, we're in this season, so we're going to talk about relationships. And I understand, listen, not everyone in this room is in a relationship. I get that. I understand that we're not, some of us aren't in marriages. Some of us are hoping maybe one day to have marriages, but maybe we're just not in that season of life anymore. So I don't want to overstep, but I do believe that the principles we're going to talk to today also impact the closest relationships we have, the relationships we have one with another, with our friends and our coworkers and our family members. I believe these principles stay true. And so hopefully, you know, whether you are in a, have relationships or whether you're hoping to be married one day, these, these principles become a foundation which you can kind of lean into and build your future upon. And so what do we know about, uh, what do we know about relationships? We know that healthy and thriving relationships are actually possible, but they're not probable meaning they don't just accidentally happen. It can happen, and God's designed for, you to, for all of us to experience it, but we, but we know we live in the world where we don't all experience it, and we know that it doesn't always work out. It's not probable. The, the odds are stacked against you, especially if you're going to follow sort of the, the popular opinion or the popular approach to relationships. You see, there are actually two types or two approaches or two ways to do relationships. There's the popular way, which is cultural's way, which is kind of the present loudest voice in the room, or I believe there is God way, the unpopular opinion, which we're going to call God's way, which seems kind of negative to put it that way, but it becoming, it's becoming the unpopular opinion. See, what is the popular opinion? Well, the popular opinion sounds like this. This relationship is beyond repair. You no longer make me happy. You know, this is the popular opinion. Like, you no longer make me happy. This isn't working for me anymore. It's beyond repair. It's broken. We tried it. We gave it our best shot. We gave it a good couple years, but it's just not working. You don't make me happy anymore. Sound familiar? So culture's framework tells us, listen, you need to, this is how they set up this, this, this kind of framework. One, you need to find the right person. You know, you got to hunt down. You got to find the right person. So much pressure on this, you know. Find the right person. You got to seek them out. You got to find a person that makes you happy, someone you're attracted to, all the things that you want in life. And then what happens is that you fall in love as if something magical happens and something outside of your control, as if you fell into a ditch. You just fell into love. I had no control over this. It just, she made me feel, or he made me feel in such a lovely way, and she made me happy. He made me happy, and I'm just swooning over that person. I fell in love. I have no control over my emotions. It's, you know, it's the way the movies sell it. Then what we do? Then we fix all of our hopes and our dreams on them, right? You complete me. <laughs> Week four, our title is, you don't complete me, you know? 
You know, this idea, it's like, I'm, it's you. It's all you. You complete me. But then what happens? If failure occurs, or actually when failure occurs, you go back and repeat one, two, and three. You leave that person, you find the next right person. You fall in love, and you fix all your hopes and dreams on them. Right? And this is a cycle in which we live. Now, I was thinking about this a lot this week, and I'm a little bit of a visual learner, and so I wanted to create a visual, a, a village, visual for you of what this could kind of look like. One, if you see the, gram, the diagram here, you're going to see it on the screen. One is that you have God at the top, you have a man and you have a wife, man and a woman. And what happens is when we, in this type of culture framework, one becomes dependent on the other, meaning the wife or the man are moving towards the other. You put all your hopes and dreams on them, you move in dependency towards them, right? And this is how it's like, you complete me, and, and I want to do whatever you do. And what happens a lot of times is like, I'm going to give up my friends, I'm going to give up my family, I'm going to give up my hopes, and I'm going to give up my, and I'm going to fix them all on you. And we put them all on the other person. And I don't know about you, but that's way too much weight for me to carry. Like, that's way too much for me to carry. I was not designed to carry that. Now, in a, in a pseudo-healthy relationship, it could look like this, where we become codependent on each other. We're both kind of lean in to one another, and you have this sort of pseudo-codependent relationship, and at first, it actually looks okay. It doesn't look too bad, because you're both leaning on each other, but you're still, at that same moment, putting unnecessary pressure on the other person. You're putting pressure on them, hopes on them, dreams on them that they truly are not meant or designed to carry. But there's another way. There's the unpopular opinion, and I believe the unpopular opinion looks like this. It said, I know it doesn't look good. I know that we're going through a rough patch. I know that things look tough. I know it's in a tough season, but I believe that God can put it back together, and here's the key, if we allow him. I believe God can fix this if we allow him. Romans 28 says, you know, all things work together for good for those who trust in God, for those who are, who are called according to his purposes. But the, the caveat to this is you have to allow him to work through the, the, the not-so-good parts of your life. Listen, no one is naive enough to believe that all things are good. Like, we know the world is tough. We know that not all things are good. But here's the thing we also know. God is good in all things. And so the caveat to the goodness coming out of our life is allowing him to use the not-so-good parts of our life for his glory. Because I've met people, and you know people, who've had, tough li- who've had a tough life and had tough circumstances, and you have not seen God's redemptive purpose in life because they're, they're cold, they're holding on to the heart, they haven't submitted it back to God. But you have someone who else has gone through a pro, and they just say, God, use it as you want. There's someone in our church family who struggled with being sick for 13 years, and God has not healed that person. And it's easy in that situation to blame God, to cast your frustrations on God. But that person, I'm here testimony after testimony, how God is, how that person is using, how God is, that person is allowing God to use their struggle or use their sickness for his glory. And it's amazing what comes on the other side of that. And I believe that God wants to work things together for good. And so this is what God's framework can look like. One, you need to first become the right person. You need to become that right person. You need to dive into God. You need, to, you need to review God. You need to allow God to shape you and form you so that you can bring something to the relationship, not expecting the relationship to bring something to you. Right? I want to bring something healthy to the relationship. And know what I'm going to do is, well, as I become the right person, I'm going to choose to walk in love. I'm not going to fall in love. I'm going to choose to walk in love. I'm going to actively, uh, I'm going to, love is not just a feeling, but it's a choice. It's that agape choice, right? Colossians 3.14 tells us to, to put on love. It's like a coat. It's like a jacket. It's like clothing. we got to put it on every day if we make that decision. Meaning that we, it's, it's, we cannot give what we have not first received. If we want to give love, we need to first receive love. 
every day. We need to become the conduits of God's love through us, right? Not the source of his love. I'm going to activate my will, not my emotions. And, and, and I'm, love doesn't happen to me, rather, but love is something that I make a conscious decision to walk into. And then as I, as I do this, I'm going to fix all my hopes and my dreams on God. Like, I'm fixing my hopes and my dreams on God. He knows. He's the giver of all good things, James tells us. Hebrews tell, uh, Psalms tells us that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Jeremiah says he knows the perfect plan for our life. Listen, he can handle our hopes and our dreams because he's created our hopes and our dreams. He's a source of our hopes and our dreams. So we put all of our hopes and our dreams on him. And when failure occurs, or if failure occurs, when failure occurs, repeat one, two, and three. Become the right person again. Continue to walk in love. Continue to fix your hopes and your dreams on God. And this is the framework that God has for us. And so it looks a lot like this. It looks like this. It looks like now when we both become interdependent with each other while becoming dependent on God. And I love this as you move closer together to God, as you strive to lean on to God, as you pursue him and become the person he's created you to be, there's a natural indication that you actually grow closer to one another. And I understand that this is a dream. This is utopian. Real life doesn't look like this. I understand. But this is a goal. This is a perspective. This is, a, this is something we need to look towards and work towards collectively as a community. If we want hope for our marriages, if we want hope for relationships, we need to be independent, interdependent with together as we depend on God. I was thinking about this this week. Wendy, come on up. I didn't tell you we're going to do this, but we're going to do this. Come on up. I'm not going to, you're not going to speak. I don't need you to speak, but I need your body. Come here. That didn't come out right, but it's not a lie. All right, come here. Come here. So a dependent relationship, stand still, is this, right? It's me putting all my pressure on her, leaning on her, meaning she can't, she's not meant to carry that, right? Also, I'm a little, I'm a little thick, right? Let's be honest. Fluff, fluffy. That's where we use. We like fluffy. All right? I, that's a dependent is I'm putting all my weight on her, right? I'm, I'm depending on her. Codependency is we're leaning in. Come on, lean in with me. Come on, this is like a trust. Lean in. No, lean. 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 Come on, lean. She's not going to trust me. It's like a game, right? But you're leaning into each other. So yeah, it looks like you're standing, but as soon as one breaks, you both fall, right? Like it's that, that's what it looks like. Where interdependent looks like this. It's where both standing in our own strength, united, depending on God. Like, this is, what, this is what a healthy marriage should look like. I'm not saying we are 100% healthy. We have a lot to work through. But visually speaking, you know, actually, it looks probably more like this. You know, one hand to the heavens and the other hand holding on to the other. Like, this is the type of marriage that God wants to have for you. Thanks, Wendy. Come on. <laughs> I will hear about that later, I'm sure. <laughs> Just give her a card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here's my prayer. Here's my hope. Is let's allow the one who designed relationships define our relationships. Like, let's not listen to the popular opinion, the loudest voice in the room. But let's go back to God's word and discover together what it actually means to live God's design, God's framework for our marriage. Now, I understand this is messy. It's because it's, it's we're messy. We're broken, right? Like we, we're flawed. We, we may have a dream. We may have a hope. But we're flawed. We're, 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 we, just, we miss the mark. We, 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 
we just sleep in one day. We, you know, we miss the moments. But God's grace is his sufficient. I love the fact that his mercy is new every morning. Come on, today's a new day. It is a new day. You can lean into your marriages together. And so I want to go to Scripture. Let's lean into Scripture real quick. Genesis 2. If you've got your Bibles, you can open to Genesis 2. Genesis 2.22, it says this. It says that the Lord, made, the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought it to her. Uh, he brought her to a man. Brought, and, and sorry, and brought her to the man. He said to her, sorry, I'm all over the place. The man said, this is the new bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is, say this word with me, united with his wife, and they become one flesh. I remember when Wendy and I first met, you know, we went to the movies. We saw the movie Chicago, you know, Richard Gere movie, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Wasn't great. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We saw the movie, and then we went to Tim Hortons after, and we sat there, and we, we were in Tim Hortons forever. Like, we shut the place down, I feel like. We just sat there, and we talked. And when, you know, when you're, when you're first in love, right, you're first smitten with one another, the things you do, you know, like I already told the story about showing up to the gym first thing in the morning, right? I told that story until I knew I had her, then I stopped showing up to the gym in the morning. It was horrible. Don't recommend that. Um, but, you know, we do the things we love when we're pursuing love. We, we do these things that we, we sort of, what happens is that we just sort of drift away. And then one day this pursuit sort of stops. One day we just sort of stop trying. We stop pursuing one another. What happens is we actually get lazy, don't we, if we're going to be honest with each other. We take each other for granted. We, we just kind of look, well, they're always going to be there. We just sort of assume. And I, I started thinking about this. Is there any other area in my life where I can be consistently lazy but expect a positive return? <laughs> You know, is there any other part of my relationship and my life where I can be consistently lazy but expect a positive return? Like, it's not going to happen with, with, my, with my body, you know? If I'm consistently lazy with what I eat or what I do, I'm not going to expect a positive return. With my, with my business, you know, if you're a business owner or you're, you're a manager, like, if you're lazy, you're not going to expect a positive growth or return in your, in your business or in your efforts. In your grass, maybe you're, you know, I love taking care of grass. I love when the grass is green and it takes work and you have to water that thing. You got you to pull all the weeds. You got to do the work. It doesn't just happen. You got to invest into it, you know, and so it takes time. You have to, you can't just be consistently lazy, but expect a positive return. I mean, if the grass looks greener on the other side, then it's time to water your grass, you know? It's not time to step away and void it. It's time to water your grass. I heard someone once say, listen, Getting divorced when you run out of love is like selling your car when you run out of gas. You know, it doesn't make sense. When you run out of gas, what do you do? You just fill up the tank. Well, if your marriage is struggling, you don't just get divorced. You fill up the love tank. You start investing into love again. You go back to one, two, and three, right? By becoming the right person, by walking in love, by, by fixing all your hopes and your attention and your dreams on God, so this is what I want to talk to you today about. This is what I want to kind of go through on a practical level. Again, we go back to this, this, this scripture, Galatians 24. It says, that's why a man shall leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This word united, again, is, it's a Hebrew word. I'm getting cautiously, I'm cautiously uh, aware that t talking about this stuff is a little bit sketchy because I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I know enough Hebrew and Greek to start a cult. I'm not trying to do that, right? Like, that didn't come across right. I'm not trying to, <laughs> meaning I don't want to preach from that because I don't know it fully. But I do know, listen, that it means more than just what it means. Right? There's more into it than it means. The Hebrew word, debag, it means to cling to or adhere to. 
It means to cling to or to be united with. It means to, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. To pursue after, to be united. We see this in Scripture in, in Psalm 63. It says, I follow close behind you. This is David speaking. This is David speaking to, uh, to, to, to God. He's saying, I'm following close after you. You know, I'm pursuing you. In Judges 20, 45, it says, they pursued hard after him. And so this level of pursuit, we want to pursue after Jesus. We want to cling to him. We want to hold tightly to him. There's this beautiful story in Judges, I mean in Genesis 29, and it's a story of Jacob and a woman named Rachel. And maybe you're familiar with the story, but Jacob, after selling his brothers, after sell, uh, stealing rather his brother's uh, birthright, after stealing Esau's birthright, he kind of he fled for his life to a place called Harem, where he met a woman at a well named Rachel. Now Rachel had an older sister named Leah. And so, you know, Jacob kind of looked at her and was kind of in you know, smitten by her. He fell in love in this moment. And the Bible is kind of funny, and the Bible says, it says that Rachel was beautiful and had a lovely figure, and Leah had weak eyes. Like, come on now, is that not funny to you? Like, he's describing Rachel as this beautiful figure, this beautiful woman, and Leah, she had weak eyes. Meaning, translation says, Rachel was hot, and Leah had a good personality. Like, that's, that's kind of what's going on here, right? Come on, guys. you got to understand. There's humor in the Bible. You know, it's, we, we believe, I believe in God's word that it's, it's the word of God that it, it separates bone from marrow and goes right to the pierces hearts, that pierces our heart. But it's also funny. Like, there's a lot in this that, is, that just makes you laugh. So Jacob, had a, he was smitten for Rachel, and he made an agreement with Rachel's father. And, uh, and so he said, listen, with Laban, I said, I'll work for you for seven years in order to marry your daughter Rachel. And so he works for her, for him, for seven years, taking care of his flock and his herd. And then the time comes, and they have this wedding ceremony, and they get married, and then they consummate the marriage. And then he wakes up one day in the morning, and realizes he married Leah. Now again, how does that happen? How do you get married to someone? How do you consummate the marriage and realize you married the wrong person? I don't get that. They were in the desert. I guess it was really dark. I don't understand how that all works. Again, funny, right? So he wakes up and he realizes, oh my goodness, I married the wrong sister. And he goes to his father-in-law and says, what did you do to me? And they say, well, by tradition, the oldest one's got to marry first. And, and then he says, but I, listen, I'll also give you Rachel if you want to marry Rachel also, if you work for me for another seven years. And so to which Jacob, he agrees because he loves Rachel. He, he, he's, he's drawn to Rachel. Now, I've grown up hearing this story my whole life. And I was always under the impression that he had to work another seven years, to which at the end of those seven years, he got to marry Rachel. But that's not what happened. He actually, the, he said, listen, finish the bridal week with Leah, and then you can marry Rachel if you commit to another seven years of working. And so that's what happens. So he, commits the, he finishes the bridal week with Leah, then he marries Rachel, engages in, in, consummates that marriage, and then commits now for another seven years of working for her, his father-in-law, which means Jacob committed to working for her, to pursuing her, to pursuing her, to being united with her, pursuing her with, with affection and devotion seven years after he already had her. Meaning he didn't just say, well, I got her, I just give up now. Like he, he pursued her, he chased after her. He wanted to be united with her. 
And I don't know one marriage, I don't know one couple who doesn't want something good for their marriage. I, I've never met one couple who stood at the altar and think, man, I hope in 10 years we can have a nasty divorce. Like nobody searches for that. Nobody learn, yearns for that. Nobody longs for that. We all, when we all stand at the altar before God and before man, we have dreams for our future. We have hopes for our future. We believe that God has brought us together for a purpose and a plan that is bigger and beyond ourselves, and that is what we begin to pursue. Yet sometimes our good intentions aren't converted into right actions. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we get a little lazy. Right? We get a little lazy. And so, this morning, real quick, before we leave, I kind of want to be practical with you a little bit today. Is I want to give you three thoughts that, that help close the gap between your intentions and your actions. And I believe if you can apply these three principles, and I'm going to tell you straight up the hop, these are not like, like, I've never thought about this before. It's, it's not. It's real simple. But the question is, are we going to just want to know more? Or are we going to do more than what we already know? Like, are we actually apply this to our life? And a full disclosure, I'm still working on this myself. I'm not sitting up here preaching from a person who's got it all figured out. You know, I love my wife, committed to my wife, but we work through stuff together like everyone else does. And so this is what I want to apply to my life also, as a husband, as a father. And so the first thing is this. When you think about something good, when you think something good, say it. It's amazing what will come on the other side of that. Every time you think something kind or encouraging or uplifting, say it. Like, say it. Don't rob your spouse of the positive affirmation you have for them. If they look beautiful, tell them. If they look handsome, tell them. If they were kind, tell them. If you're just smitten by them, tell them. If the way the sun hits the light from the kitchen window and you're drinking your cup of coffee that's so beautiful and, and you just have this glorious, just say it. Like, tell them. Tell them. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another. Say this word with me. Daily. Like, daily. Encourage one another as long as it is called day. Why do we do this? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. None of you will allow the trap to, to, to harden your heart and deceive you. Like, there's something special about just saying what's on your heart. Generally speaking, here's what I've learned. Men and women, we hear things differently, right? We receive things differently. Guys, here's a little tip. When you want to pursue her, you pursue her with words of affirmation. Oh, sorry, words of affection. You need to pursue her with words of affection. And guys, this is non-sexual words of affection, right? Meaning you're not hoping to get anything out of this in return, can we be a little real, right? Guys, we always do this, right? We, we, we turn everything into a sexual adventure, trying to find it, trying to cling in a little bit. My wife, you know, she'll, she'll say, you know, we need to change the tires. She's like, I'll change your tires. You know, we, we just... No, nobody else does this? Am I the only one? Come on now. Don't laugh so hard at me that you're like, oh, well, that never happens in my home. Right? Like we do this. And so what does it like to pursue her with words of affection that are non-sexual? Like you just tell her how, what she loves. I, I've, I've learned this. this. is something I've heard and I'm learning and I would love to apply is, is I love you because. It's not just I love you, but I love you because. Here's why I love you. I, I love you. You know, I love you because you fight for our family, Wendy. You fight fiercely for our family. I, I love you because you're faithful. 
You're faithful. You're always faithful. You always remain the same. You are more than I deserve. I, I love you because you're kind. You serve our family without any fanfare. You serve our family without any recognition or desire to be known or desire to be recognized. You're faithful. You're devoted. You're kind. You're thoughtful. You're generous. I could go on and on. I love you because. When was the last time you told your spouse you love her because? Not just I love you. Like, call it out. Say it. Speak it. I'm speaking to myself here today, too. Speak it. Let her know what you love about her. Guys, we hear things differently. So ladies, if you want a little tip on how to speak to guys, guys want to know. Guys, you need to pursue him with words of, of affirmation. You need to tell him you believe in him. Listen, the whole world could not believe in him, but if you believe in him, he can conquer the world. But here, the opposite is true. If the whole world thinks he can do it, and he comes home and he doesn't believe you, can, you think he can do it, he can't do it. You hear me now? You are a thousand times more louder in his mind, in his heart, than the rest of the people around him. So if they don't think he can, but you do, he can. If they think he can, but you don't, he can't. That's just how we're wired. We need to know you believe in us. You need to believe. If there's something you see in him, you need to call it out of him. You need to speak it into him. Listen, maybe you're saying, listen, my husband is not a good prayer. Maybe he, you know, say, listen, when you say let's go to church, man, I love it when you say let's go to church. When you say let's do something kind for somebody, I love it when you say that. You need to let him know. Maybe he's not the good at prayer. Maybe he's actually horrible at praying. And so he's sitting around the Thanksgiving table, and he says, okay, let's pray. And he says, dear Jesus, thank you for this turkey and for all the turkeys around this table. Amen. And that's the best he's got. Like, it's horrible, but that's the best he's got. I tell you what, when the, kid, when the dishes are cleared and the kids are settled and you find it, it's all quiet and you go up to him and you get him real close and you whisper in his ear, I love it when you pray. I, I feel so much closer to you when you pray. I feel that God came down on our table when you pray. By Christmas, he'll be calling down heaven. He'll be speaking in tongues at the Christmas table, praying for grace, because you believed in him. I'm la it's a joke, but it's true, right? It's true. There's truth in it when you don't just speak to what they, what they do, but you, you, you're calling out the greatness in them because you see more than they see. There's something that takes place in our hearts. Listen, man, she wants to know that you love her today. Do you love me today? Guys, or ladies rather, he wants to know, do you believe in me today? Like, when you, when you think about it, say it. It's amazing what will happen when we start speaking kindness to each other. I don't know about what it's like. Sometimes the ones that we're closest to get the, left, the leftovers of our kindness. We give all of our kindness to our bosses and our coworkers and our neighbors, and then our family members get the, the rest of what we have, which isn't a whole lot left. And we need to flip the script. We need to give our best to our families. We need to give our best to our spouses. Right? Say it. Secondly, when you think about something special, do it. When you think about something special, do it. Don't just, ah, just should have done that. Woulda, shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, how many of us, our lives are like that? Woulda, shoulda, woulda, coulda. I wish I did that. I should have done that. I wish, you know. You need to, if you think of, if God deposits something in your heart to do for your spouse, do it. Do it. What, what does James tell us? James says, listen, any, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. Listen, 
If, you're, if God puts in your heart, do something for your spouse, even if it's simple, and you choose not to do it, you ignore it, you dismiss it, you deny it, James is telling, listen, you're sinning. That, that's a sin. Like that, That's a pretty dramatic statement, isn't it? We just consider it laziness or just whatever. No, there, there's something actually happening in our spirit that's separating us from the heart of God. Do something. It could, it, 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 could, it could be as bold today as just say, like, we need to stop sinning when it comes to being closing the gap with good attentions with our spouse. Listen, here's what I've realized in my own life, is I overestimate the single spectacular moments that we plan for each other, and I underestimate the simple, consistent, simple gestures, continual simple gestures. Like, we overestimate the spectacular, and we underestimate the simple of what happens day in and day out. Listen, if something comes, if you, if you thought about, hey, I'm going to come home early and help my wife take care of dinner, I'm going to do it. You know, oh, I'm going to write sticky notes. I've thought about that so many times, it's horrible. I should put some sticky notes on the mirror and so she wakes up, she just sees, you know, a little, little thought from her. You know how many times I've thought about that over the last 18 years of our marriage? How many times have I done it? I'm confessing my sin to you, friends. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. So Lord Jesus, I'm receiving your healing right now. Listen, we're all do this, right? Every one of you, you can probably sit here right now and say, I've thought about doing something and I've never done it. Every one of us. So what would happen if we actually started doing for each other the things that God has put in our hearts to do for one another? Like, what would that, what would that look like? What would be the impact of your marriage and your home if you actually applied the things that God has deposited in your heart to do for one to another? The simple gestures. Make a plan. We talked about it last month. If it's important to you, you've got to put it on the schedule. You gotta schedule that thing. Put it on important. Put it on paper. You gotta make it happen. You gotta schedule what's important. Thirdly, real quick, is if you want something different, you need to be it. You gotta become the right person, right? Going back to our God's framework. If you, if you want something important, if you want something different, you need to be it. So often, what do we do? We point the finger and say, You are the problem. You're the reason why this isn't working. You're the reason why this relationship struggles. You're the reason, and we point the finger all the time. But what would happen if we become something different? What happens if I choose to own the areas of my life that I need to change? What happens if I choose, men? what happens if we choose to lead our homes? What happens if we choose to actually stand up and, and call our family to a higher standard? What happens if we, we actually choose to be the leaders of our homes, the spiritual leaders of our homes? What happens if we actually become the person that we desire, that we desire to be deep in our heart? but don't have the conviction or the courage to do? Like, what happens if we actually step into that role? What would happen? What happens if we chose to be the person we're called to be? Listen, this is the reason why I believe in small groups. I believe we can't do this on ourselves. We need other people around us to encourage us, to walk with us, to hold us accountable as we grow in together, as, become, as we become the person that God created us to be. This is why we do small groups. This is why we have small groups for couples that are starting up in the next couple of weeks. We want to encourage you to be part of something like that. Listen, what happens is I've realized myself is that we tend to multiply what we receive, right? So if, if people are angry with us, then we get angry back because we multiply what we receive. If people are kind to us, then we're kind back because we multiply what we receive. Guys, this is something you need to learn about women. Women are multipliers. W women are naturally multipliers. They, they, God designed them to be multipliers. They produce life from them. They're multipliers. And so when you give your wife love and affection, and devotion and adoration, she will multiply that in return and she'll give you more than you deserve. But if you give her the cold shoulder, she'll multiply that too. Right? 
Like this is, you need to give. You need to become the person you want to be. If you don't like what you're getting, then you need to look at what you're giving. If you don't like what you're getting, you need to look at what you are giving. We need to get to get what we once had. We must do the things we once did. We need to go back to pursuing, pursuing, chasing after, to be united again and not be comfortable, not become lazy, but pursue one another the way Christ pursues us. Revelation 2, 22, verse 5, Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus and it's a different context. It's a different context admittedly, but he says this. He says, remember the height from which you had fallen and repent and do the things you did at first. Listen, if you're brought into awareness, if you, if you just feel God is speaking to you, you need to repent of where you missed up. You need to repent where you have put too much on them that they weren't meant to carry and you need to pursue God and you need to present and go back to what you used to do. Do what you did at first. I'm so grateful that God pursues us. Jesus talks about the parable of the lost sheep and the lost son where he leaves in 99 to go after the lost. You and I are recipients of God's pursuit for you and I. He pursues you. He pursues you. He, he goes after you. We need to pursue him in the same way he pursued us. Relentlessly pursuing, chasing after and allowing his unconditional love to flow through us into our homes, into our relationships. So the popular opinion says this marriage is broken, this relationship is broken beyond repair. But I believe today that the unpopular opinion, that God's opinion for you today is that God can fix it. God can fix it if you let him. If you let him, if you invite him in. And I believe, I believe that there are couples here today that if you allow God in and you commit to doing the work, you can see your marriage restored. You can see your marriage healed. I'm not naive enough to believe that there's couples in this relationship and couples in here today who are struggling, who are even wondering if we're going to make it through. And I'm here to tell you by the grace of God, you can do it. You can do it with God's help. If you pursue him first, you depend on him, not on each other, and then grow together and allow him to unite your hearts as you stand his hand, side by side, hand in hand. Mark's gospel tells us that therefore what God has joined together, what God has united, let no man separate. And this is my heart for you, church. It's my heart for you that, that, that what God has united, that no man will separate. I invite you to stand to your feet today. So I got some comforting news. The comforting news for you today is that there's not one person in this room and not one couple in this room who's got this all figured out. Like, we're all, we're all, we're all pursuing it. We're all shooting for it, right? So you're not alone. If you, if you feel you're struggling, if you feel, hey, we got a lot of work to do, guess what? We're all feeling that way. That's okay. The good news is that God's grace covers you and empowers you to course correct, to make things right, to pursue one another. So here's my prayer. Let God heal and transform you. Say, God, speak to me. God, forgive me. God, change me. And God, strengthen me to be all that you want me to do and all that you want to do through me. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness in our life. We thank you, Lord, that you have not forgotten about us, nor have you given up on us. God, your design for us was to be married, to be in relationships, to build families, and to build the future. God, you brought us together through circumstances and situations, but either way, you brought us together, and then in that moment, we made covenants, we made commitments to you and to one another. God, we pray that you give us the strength to hold those commitments true. And God, in areas that we have fallen short, in the areas where we have missed the mark, in the areas where we have messed up, in the areas that we have caused hurt, 
and hurdles and hang-ups and hardships, God, be our grace. Forgive us. Forgive us. God, we recognize our need for you today. We recognize that we can't do this in our own strength, in our own might, but it's only through the power of your Holy Spirit as we pursue you. So God, today we choose you. We fix our focus on you. We put you first in our home, in our lives, in our relationships. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do work in us by your grace, by your grace. God, that we've been made new again today. And so we just give you our hearts today in your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's just turn this into our prayer as we close in song.